And I know this gets whispered in your ear over and over again because you got an enemy that's always trying to tear you down and you're walking around going, I just don't matter. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. Like I don't got the lineage enough. I don't got the money enough, the talent enough. I don't got the looks enough. You see, I don't know that I really even matter. My friends, to anyone who's ever thought that you don't matter, Christmas shows up and says, think again. Think again. Because God sees things different than you see things. God, God looks at humanity. He looks at you and he says, you matter more than you could ever possibly think or imagine. Christmas reminds us that no matter what you don't have, you will always have a God in heaven who thinks the world of you. Last week, we began wrestling with this question of like, who is Christmas really for and what's it all about? Because, you know, and I'm not going to go into it. I've got time to go into it today. We make Christmas about so many things that are not actually what Christmas is meant to be about. We go, I mean, maybe Christmas is for the kids. Maybe Christmas is for, you know, the department stores or the online stores. Maybe Christmas is, and we talked about all of that. And, and here's what we boiled it down to is that for us to really understand who Christmas is for and what it's all about, we got to go back to the original, like, like the original Christmas story. And what we're looking at is, is, who were the original Christmas invites given to? And what can we learn from that as to who Christmas is really for and what Christmas is meant to really be all about? And so last week, if you remember, we, we learned from Zechariah and Elizabeth that Christmas is for anyone who's lost hope. Come on, like, and if you've, if you've lost hope in here today, like Christmas says, hey, I, I know you think you may have lost hope, but, but think again because there is hope in Christ Christ came, Jesus came um, to bring hope to those who felt like they lost hope. Matter of fact, Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth, remember? They, they were barren. They were unable to have a child. And, and heaven shows up and says, guess what? That which you thought which was impossible is actually possible in Christ. So we, we, we discovered that Christmas is for those who lost hope. And today's what I want to talk to you about is Christmas is actually also for anyone who's ever felt insignificant. Anyone who's ever just felt like, like, like you don't matter, like, like the, the, the world has labeled me and pushed me to the side and, and I just kind of feel insignificant and I wanna do my best to remind you today, I wanna show you today that Christmas actually says to everyone who's ever thought that they were insignificant, think again. And we pick up the story of Gabriel coming to Mary to announce to her that she's about to give birth to the Savior, Jesus. And here's what we read over in the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke 1, it says this, Now it was the sixth month that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, this is actually the sixth month of Elizabeth's uh, pregnancies, is what Scripture is referring to. So remember from Zechariah and Elizabeth last week. Now it's the sixth month of her pregnancy, and Gabriel shows up again, but this time he shows up to a Galilean city named Nazareth. Someone say Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the household of David. So say house of David. So very important. To the virgin named, uh, whose name was Mary. And, and this is how, how it goes. It goes on. It says, and having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. Like, this is odd. This hasn't happened before. And as she's wondering, the angel goes on. 
The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. It goes on to say that he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants, someone say forever, forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. You know, when it comes to the character of Mary, I I think all throughout history, it seems like there's always been one or two extremes when it comes to Mary. On one extreme, you have those that hold her, hold too high a view of Mary. So in other words, there are those who, uh, they, there are shrines that are built to Mary. There, there, are, there are prayers that are prayed to Mary. There are those that go on to say that, that Mary, they almost de- deify Mary and they give Mary, Mary a, uh, like in this place of deity almost and they put Mary in too high of a posture or a place. But then I think just, just as much as that is a danger, there's also a, another danger is that, that there's too low a view of Mary. And it's almost like we just don't even think of her at all or completely ignore her altogether. But I actually think there's a lot to learn from, from Mary. Uh, and what I want to do is, is take a snapshot of Mary's life right now in, in, in this moment, this moment where heaven interrupts her day. I mean, she's just going through her day. I mean, just heaven shows up. Gabriel's like, hey, Mary. Heaven interrupts her day with news that would forever change her life and the lives of countless millions the world over. I want you to understand what's going on in Mary's life right here in this snapshot and, and in this moment. And what you need to understand is that in this moment, you got a whole lot, of, a lot happening from God's perspective. Someone say God's perspective. And in God's perspective, there's a, there's a whole lot happening. You see, it was very important that, that Mary would be from the lineage of King David. And Mary, of course, was from the lineage of King David. You see, because Old Testament prophecy said that the Messiah, the king to come, whose kingdom would reign forever, would actually come from the lineage of, of King David. Let me show it to you in 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel says, when your days are over, speaking to David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will, God declares, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was on the scene, I will raise up from your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and he will establish his kingdom. He goes on to tell us about that kingdom, see if this feels familiar, that he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David, there is one coming from your lineage that is different than everybody else. You're gonna have other kings in your lineage, but there will be one to whose kingdom there will be no end, whose kingdom will reign forever. And this is hundreds of years before Jesus would come on the scene. Jews knew that the Messiah would come through the Davidic line. That's why, have you ever been reading in your scripture reading in your Bible and you get over to places like in the book of Luke and you're wondering why is there all this and so-and-so begot so-and-so who begot another so-and-so and then so-and-so begot so-and-so and you go on for like, like verse after verse after verse and you're going like, okay, we get it. People having lots of kids. There's a reason for that. God by his spirit is trying to get you to understand, for example, Mary in the book of Luke chapter three, her lineage is there and it brings her all the way back 
to the spot where you understand that Mary is actually from the line of King David. You know, Jews today who do not see Christ as their Messiah still keep track records of who it is that's in the line of King David so that they can verify that who they think is the Messiah could actually be the Messiah. They knew the Messiah had to come from the lineage of King David. Well, Mary shows up on the scenes from the lineage of King David. Scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that she was a, was a virgin. Well, you know that that's so important because Scripture actually, so from God's perspective, you know, we, Mary needs to be a virgin, and, and there's an Old Testament prophecy. Well, let me show it to you, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. Now, if you are looking for a sign, that's a good sign. Like, that's a pretty good sign. That's, that's miraculous. God has never done it this way before. You know, like, he, he, he creates Adam out of dirt. <laughs> he creates Eve from Adam. He, he, he's never done this before. And God decides here is that we're going to have a virgin conceive and give birth to a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And he will be called Emmanuel. And so, from God's perspective, we got Mary from the line of King David. We got Mary who's a virgin. We got Mary who's from this town called Nazareth. It's a hardly known village in the middle of Galilee. And why is that important? Well, the Old Testament points to the fact that Jesus would come from humble beginnings. And so you read in places like Isaiah 53, it tells us this about Jesus, that he would be despised and rejected by men. By men, he would be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. As one who, from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him as not. You know, in that day, your esteem and who you were often came from where you came from. And Scripture tells us that Jesus would come from a kind of a no-name place in the middle of nowhere. Matter of fact, in the book of Matthew, Matthew actually ties the Old Testament prophecy. And in the, in the Hebrew, there's kind of a play on words here pointing to the city of Nazareth. And Matthew actually understood from the Old Testament prophecy that Jesus would actually be born in Nazareth. Here's what it, or would be raised in Nazareth. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter two. And he went and lived, Jesus did, in the city called Nazareth so that what was spoken of the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So from heaven's perspective, there's all this going on in, in, the, in the life of, of Mary. But I also want you to see Mary snapshot right now in her life from earth's perspective or from the human perspective. Mary, from a human perspective, she's not the one you're going to choose. Like, like Mary was just, she was common and, and seemingly insignificant. Hold on, listen to this. When the angel appears to Mary, you got to realize that she's just a teenager. 13, 14 to potentially 16 at best. She, a teen, guys, she's in that awkward season, that awkward stage, adolescence, between a kid and an adult. It's just all awkward. She's, listen, I'm telling you, friends, as a, as a, as a teen, she's the one that every, you just kind of overlook. You probably wouldn't trust her with a very, very important mission. She's, from the world's perspective, as a teenager, she's far too young to be a part of anything significant. She's far too young to be trusted. Do you trust your teenagers? Come on, somebody. And yet God, although the world may overlook her, God favors her. 
as a teenager. You're thinking she's too little to play a major role in a major world-altering endeavor, and yet God says, that's who I'm going to pick. Hey, who are you and I to tell God who he can pick? I think sometimes you, you feel like, you know, oh, God, you can't pick me for that, and God, you can't use them for that, and I think we belittle people far too easy. I think you belittle yourself far too easy. I think we look down on people for it. Like, listen, you need to understand God does not view others the way you view others. God does not see the way we see. God sees far more and he understands far more. God, God values people far more than you could ever imagine, friends. I mean, think about, think about David. Do you, I, think about this. David, we believe, was, we know for sure he was a teenager, but he's probably around the same age when he ran out on the battlefield, all these adult men shaking in their like boots and their and all of their armory, and David just runs out a young kid because I'll take him. And I think God is attracted to to youth. I think God is attract, attracted to teens. I think God loves to work through teens because they they're just they're just willing to say God 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 is God is, God is like favor on the young and on our college students because they're just willing to go. God will do it. God, we'll run after giants. God, God, we'll take on big missions. God, we'll, God we're, we're not stuck in our ways. God, we believe you could do things different. And I love that. So from the world's perspective, Mary's just a teenager. She got nothing to offer. Mary, Mary grew up in the town of Nazareth. It's a no-name city. It's a drive-by city. It's a flyover city. It's a you-don't-move-there city. You move from their city. It's like Fresno. Okay, I'm just, that's all my Fresno friends. Love you guys. But you drive through Fresno, it's a gateway to Yosemite, right? I got a dear friend in Fresno. I'm allowed to pick on it. Armpit of, armpit of California, basically. Anyway, you drive through it. And so listen, this is where Mary's from. Matter of fact, like when they found out Jesus was from Nazareth in, in the New Testament, they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, Nazareth, like, like, you don't even stop. The, the city population at that time was maybe three to 400 people. Man, it was just a little podong hick thing out in the middle of nowhere, Galilee. Can anything come out of Nazareth? And yet, everyone would overlook Nazareth. No, nothing good could come out of Nazareth. Yet, that's the city Mary grew up in. She knew them streets like the back of her hands. That was her hometown. Let's go, me and my three I graduated with. That's Mary's town. It's where she's from. And, you know, she's a teenager. She's from this, like, this no-name town. And, you know, Mary was actually very poor. You know, we know that because when, when she and Joseph later on in the New Testament go to bring their sacrifice for worship to the temple, they brought doves or turtle doves. And why would you bring turtle doves as, a, as an offering in your act of worship? You only did that when you were poor because you see everyone else, you know, everybody else, everybody else was able to go and purchase a lamb. They weren't that much. But if you were too poor to purchase a lamb, Scripture, Old Testament actually made a provision for the poor to be able to buy doves, like pennies, to go and worship God. And this is what Mary and Joseph did when they went to worship God at the temple because they just didn't have any resources. And you guys just stack this up really quick from an earthly perspective. From the human perspective, she's a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. She's got no money. She's got no, no influence, it seems. She's a, she's a young teenager. Everyone's overlooking her. She, she's like, she's the least of these. You see, she's the most common 
And although she's overlooked by the world, God chooses her, God prefers her, God favors her, because God sees her different. And you need to understand this, friend. Maybe you're in here today and you find yourself wrestling with feelings of insignificance. Maybe you feel like the world has all the right in the world and all the reason in the world maybe just to overlook you. Maybe, maybe you look at your upbringing and you realize that there's nothing in your past that really speaks to a bright future. I mean, there's maybe nothing that's really even happened in your, in your upbringing and how you were raised that, that gave you any kind of momentum in life. And you would look at that and you think, well, I've never been given any momentum in my life. Maybe I won't ever make anything in my life. Maybe, maybe I don't really matter. You see, the, the world's written me off because, you know, my own parents wrote me off. And maybe you look at your upbringing and think to yourself, you know, I'm insignificant. I don't, I don't have a lot of value. You see, maybe, maybe you look at your, at, at, at like your age in life right now and you think to yourself, you know, well, I'm too young. I can never accomplish anything great. I'm too young. Like, like, like I got big dreams in my heart, but, but no one's going to take me serious. And I'm just too young. And maybe now you're at a spot where you're too old. You're like, well, maybe I missed the boat. Maybe, maybe I'm too old. Maybe, maybe I can't go on and do great things. Hey, I want to tell you something. It's not in my notes. But you know that Moses, by the time he was 85, hadn't even done what he'd be remembered for? Don't you dare tell yourself you're too old. Don't you dare tell yourself you're too young. God, God sees things different. God works, and God, I think God loves to work when the world goes, ah, there's no way. And God goes, let me show up. So maybe you're in here today and you tell yourself, you know what? You don't understand, Pastor Chris. I don't really matter. I'm not really, I, I, I can't ever really be a part of anything significant. I can't ever really watch God use my life because you don't understand. You see, I don't have the resources to matter. I don't have the followers to matter. Come on, where's all the TikTokers, Instagrammers in the house? You're like, I just don't have it. I just don't have the clout, you know, to ever really matter matter in this world. I, I, mean, I don't have the intellect to matter. I don't have the charm to matter. I don't have the talent to matter. I don't have the look to matter. Come on, I, I know this gets whispered in your ear over and over again because you got an enemy that's always trying to tear you down and you're walking around going, I just don't matter. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. Like I don't got the lineage enough. I don't got the money enough, the talent enough. I don't got the looks enough. You see, I don't know that I really even matter. My friends, to anyone who's ever thought that you don't matter, Christmas shows up and says, think again. Think again. Because God sees things different than you see things. God, God looks at humanity. He looks at you and he says, you matter more than you could ever possibly think or imagine. Christmas reminds us that no matter what you don't have, you will always have a God in heaven who thinks the world of you. A God in heaven who sees you and knows you and loves you and wants to do in you and through you more than you could ever think or imagine. Mary could never have possibly comprehended what God was about to do in her life when she looked at how the world saw her life. So you might be overlooked by people in your world, but you're handpicked by God. You might be overlooked by your family and by your friends. You might be overlooked by your coworkers, but I want you to know you're chosen by God. You're picked by God. I want you to know that, that God sees you and he loves you and, and he's got more for you than you could ever imagine. And I know you're arguing with me right now in your mind. You're going, Chris, that's Mary. 
That's Mary. That's like Mary. Like she's in the Bible, Mary. That's not me. That's Mary. No, friends, you need to understand Christmas. See, Mary was just a part of God getting after you. God came to Mary because he loved Mary, but God came to Mary because he was in love with you. You were always on his mind. You were, you were always the point, always the intention. You're, you're always the goal, and you just need to understand that. Come on, just for a minute, shake off all the insecurities that are whispering to you right now. Everything that the enemy is trying to tell you right now. I love the fact that Christmas shows up to this young teenager in a no-name town. It says, you matter. Church, just listen to me. You matter to God. Do you, do you, know, do you know that God like, actually created you on purpose? Listen to what Psalm 139 says. Psalm 139 says this, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I always say it. Come on, my daughter told me this in the backseat of the car one time. She was driving. She said, Dad, do you realize that Scripture says that, that he spoke the world into existence, but when he made us, he slowed down to knit. I don't know a lot about knitting, but I do know it looks very intentional. I do know it takes a lot of time. I do know God spoke the world into existence. But when it came to you, he said, you know, I'm going to slow down and knit. He knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Scripture goes on to say, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let me break that down for you. Before you took your first breath on earth, God already had you in his mind. God was thinking about you. God was, God was, God was going, hey, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you in that place at that time, and I can't wait. He created you on purpose, you see. You're not an accident. Man, you might have surprised your parents, but you did not surprise God. He's been planning for you the whole time. And not only was God thinking thoughts of you before he came, you came to be, do you know that your God thinks thoughts of you right now? Like God is thinking about you, and he thinks about you a lot. Listen to what scripture says in Psalm 139. 139.17 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day came to pass. How precious are your thoughts about me? God has thoughts about you. How precious are your thoughts about me? They cannot be numbered. That's a lot of thoughts. Like, is that one thought, God? One thought a day. No, God's like, you can number that. Is it, God, you're talking thousands of thoughts? Nope, you can number that. God is like, there's an inf I have an infinite amount of thoughts towards you. I'm just, I'm thinking about you. I, 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 you're so valuable to me. You're so prized by me. I, I care so much for you. I'm just, I'm thinking about you. And some of you are like, oh no. Like, what is God thinking when he thinks about me? <laughs> like, what, why, God, please stop thinking about me. Like, don't, don't watch, God, please. Like, don't think, right? And, but you need to know, like, your God's thoughts towards you, according to Jeremiah 11, his thoughts towards you are good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. In other words, another translation would say, his thoughts towards you are plans, or he's planning to prosper you. Now, I know you're thinking, like, Mercedes and mansions? No. Glory to glory. That it just keeps getting better. In other words, please hear me. 
right now in this moment, God is planning, thinking how to move, how to call you forward into more. He's, 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 He's wanting to bring you from good to gooder. And he just wants to prosper you. God's like, come, come on, come on, come on. And it's all his thoughts. All his thoughts are like, uh, and for some of you, it's like, oh, no, they're going astray again. I got I to gotta go way over here to get them in order to bring them where they need to go. Uh, and it, God's just always, come on, his thoughts towards you are good, not evil to give you a future and hope. Now, for some of you thinking that he thinks about you a lot is, is worrisome. Let me, let me help you out with this, and then, I'm gonna, and then just hang in there with me because it's good news at the end of this. It's good news in all this. Do you know that he, he thinks about you a lot, but he also knows you intimately? God knows you personally and intimately. Psalm 139, 1 through 5 says this. You know, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know how much about me. God knows everything about me. God knows about you the things no one else knows about you. God knows about you, I think, some of the things you don't even know about you. You ever been like, I don't even understand myself. Who am I? God's like, I know who you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I know who you are. You're a child of the king. I know who you are. Oh, we'll get there. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm afar off. You see me when I travel and when I rest and when I'm at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. And now listen to what God by his spirit tags that whole thing with. You place your hand of blessing upon my head. Here's how much God values you. He's thinking about you all the time. He knows everything about you, friend. God knows your heart. He knows your fears, your your thoughts, your motives, your dreams, your frustrations. God knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows everything about you, everything going on inside of you. And in the midst of all of that, God goes, and I still love you. (laughs) Some of you think God knows what everything about me. Well, then I must not matter to him because I've, I've made a mess and I've done, God goes here. I know a lot about you. I know everything, and here's the, I, I still love you. Where are you getting that at, Pastor Chris? Well, listen, he says this, you know everything I do, you know my thoughts before I think them, the words before I say them, and yet you place your hand of blessing on my head. God knows everything about me, and he still says, I want to bless you. You know what that comes from? It's, 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 a, it's a tradition in Jewish homes back in that day, and still some today, that children, when they would come before their father, would, would, would bow down before their father it's like, it's a, it's a, to receive from their father a blessing. And what the father would do with his child, his, his son or his daughter, he, he'd reach out his hand. The father would place, place his hand on that child and speak blessing over that child. The, the father would speak over that child words in their life about who they are and who they're going to be, their place in the family. It, what their future would look like. This is what's happening with Jacob and, 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 and Jacob and Esau when they, when they come in before their father. Remember, Jacob dressed himself like Esau to get Esau's blessing, right? They're, they're coming in to receive a blessing. It'd be like much like today, like grabbing your child by the shoulders and looking him in the eyes and going, I, listen, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And, and here's what I see in you. And here's what I'm believing for you. It, it's such an important aspect of the Jewish culture. And do you know, friends, that a father 
no matter what their child might be wrestling with, no matter what their child might be going through, a good father wants to bless their children no matter what. I just want to love on my kids and bless them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to bless them. And God just goes, listen, I know everything about you. I just want to bless you. I'm going to place my hand of blessing on you. Listen, he knows you. He knows you. He puts his hand of blessing upon your head. Speaking of your head, you know that God, God knows you so much. Scripture says he actually has the, the hairs of your head numbered, it tells us over in the book of Luke, chapter 12. Some of you are trying to make it a little easier on God than it used to be, right? My hair's been thinning out. Please don't buy me any kind of like special low, uh, shampoo or anything. I'm, I'm, I am thinning out, and I might be growing a mohawk right now, but that's okay, everybody. God still loves me. You see, Mary, you look and go, there's just not much to her. There's just, there's just, and I think sometimes we look at ourselves and go, there's just not much to me. Like how, like, I don't know that I really matter. Like, do you know everything I've been through? Do you know that I might not know it all? God knows it all. And he still says, I love you. I want to bless you. I see you. I know you. Matter of fact, I got a tattoo of you. Where'd you get that at? Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16. I want you to see this. Isaiah 49, 16. God is speaking to the children of Israel. He goes, and he says this to them. He says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And this is such an important verse to understand because the children of Israel right now are in the, in this season when God said this to them, they're in the, one of the lowest points in their history. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. They're being led as captives to Babylon. Some of you come in here today and you feel like life is falling all apart around me. I feel like I'm being taken captive. I feel like my, my, everything it just doesn't look like there's a whole lot of hope. Well, the children of Israel are complaining to God like, God, if you loved us, God, I feel like you forgot about us. God, where are you in all this? God, don't you see us? God, and this is God writing to them and going, hey, listen, I know you're going through a lot right now, but I need you to remember something. I have not forgotten you. Matter of fact, I got you tattooed on my hands. I got your name right here. I'm never going to forget you. I'm never going to forget you. Think about how powerful that is. I, I, see, I think some of us, some of us don't, have, some of us have a hard time resting in the fact that we matter so much to God because we, we maybe look at some of the, gosh, the struggles in our lives we look at some of the pain and some of the heartache and we think to ourselves, well, if God really loved me, then, then why this? Why the misfortune? Well, why the hardship? Why the suffering? If God really loved me, then, then why? And we cry out to God like the children of Israel go, God, God, where are you in this? I, if you really loved me. And God says to them, I want you to know that no matter what you're walking through in this planet, no matter what trials you might be up against, no matter what suffering or pain you might be in the middle of, I have not forgotten about you. I have you tattooed on the palms of my hands. I'm not about to forget about you. And you, friends, you need to understand that pain and suffering in society and in life is not proof that God doesn't love you. It's proof that our planet is broken. And you see, God actually loves you so much that he puts into place the plan of redemption to well, someday, ultimately forever, bring us out of this brokenness and into eternal healing. Between now and that day, God promises to carry us. And sometimes it's even through suffering. Remember what Jesus promised his disciples? 
in this world, you will have tribulation. No one has it on the refrigerator, right? In this world, you will have tribulation. But Jesus didn't leave it at that. He said, in this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So no matter what gets thrown at you, Jesus is like, I've already overcome it. You're already an overcomer in me. You're already victorious in me. And so suffering is not a proof that God doesn't love you. It's just a proof, friends, that we live in this broken planet and we need the one who loves us to carry us through this broken planet, to sustain us in the midst of all of it, to show up in the ways that God just chooses to show up and carry me and bless me and strengthen me in the midst of all these things that we find ourselves in. You know, the, the, some of the greatest saints of old struggled with some of the greatest or wrestled with some of the greatest sufferings. Read through, read through Hebrews chapter 11 sometime for homework. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. It talks about, and by faith, some, by, by, by faith, some received their dead back to life. By faith, you know, the walls of Jericho were taken down. By faith, by faith, and all these things that God did by faith. And then somewhere in the middle of that chapter, it shifts and it says, and by faith, some gave their life. And by faith, some were sawn in two. And by faith, you see, and it goes on. How were they able to do it? The whole point of Hebrews is that they were able to do it because they knew this is not my home. They were able to move through this place because they lifted their eyes to a better place. And God had promised to take them to, to deliver them into that place and from this place. And that's how they moved through. You see, the greatest saints of old, I mean, they weren't even, you know, protected from some of the suffering in this world. They weren't, um, you know, they didn't get a free pass. The world's just broken. And so God says, I want you to remember, even children of Israel, that I've got you tattooed on my arms. I'm not going to forget about you. I'm not going to forget about you. Listen to me. God says, I, I have you on my mind, and I need you to know I won't forget, forget you. I, won't, I will never forsake you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says that, that God promises, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, ever. Psalm chapter 27 goes on to say, hey, listen, even if your mother and father forsake you, Some of you come in here today and it's really hard for you to believe that you matter because your own mom and dad, mom or dad, has stepped out of your life. Maybe they've said some things about you that continue to echo through the the, the chambers of your heart and mind and and you just think to yourself, how could I ever matter to God? I, I don't even know that I matter to. And God says this, I love that it's in scripture. To all of those who've had their own mother or father forsake them, God says, even though your mother and father forsake you, I never will. I'm faithful and I'm consistent and I love you. Church, Mary looks so ordinary from the outside. From the world's part. You, you might have think, you think to yourself, I, I'm just so ordinary. I'm, I'm just, there's, I don't know that I matter. And yet she was valued by God and there's a grace on her and and it's not just Mary friends there's a grace on you you see he created you on purpose he thinks about you a lot he he knows you intimately he's got a tattoo of you and listen he's paid a great price for you you know you you can you can tell how much something's worth based upon how much you're willing to to pay for it right value I told you guys last week that that um Trader Joe's had those little thin mint, come on, you know, uh, uh, 
pretzels, and I just got addicted to them, $3.55 a bag. I'm, I'll pay that. And then, and then it was like, they were so good. Like, we got so many bags of those things. I told you a little bit about this last week. This tells you how much I like them. I keep talking about them. Well, Trader Joe's stopped carrying them, and, and somebody... Somebody went in and bought a whole bunch of, I don't know, they must have bought hundreds. I don't know who did this. I, maybe it's like a little side thing Trader Joe's has got going on on the side, like pull them off the shelves, we'll sell them on Amazon. And so somebody's on Amazon selling these things for like $23 a bag. Like, like the same $3 bag is now $23 a bag. I told you I bought nine of them, and a lot of you didn't believe me. Listen, I love them things. They're good. Okay, I didn't buy nine of them, but maybe some of them. All right. You're willing to pay for that which you value. Think about it. Do you know that when it came to you, God was willing to pay the ultimate price? That when it came to you, God sent Jesus. And Jesus, so in love with you, gave his life on the cross for you, was brutally beaten, was, was, was scorned, and he went to the cross and paid the greatest price. Why? Because you were on his mind. You were on his mind. The Bible says that he, he suffered the shame and the, and the pain for the joy that was set before him. The joy that, what's the joy that was set before Jesus? What was the joy that was so great that he was able to push through the pain and, and pay the ultimate price? You are that joy. He paid a great price for you. And as the worship team comes out to help me close this, And he's constantly in pursuit of you. This is how much you matter to God. He's constantly in pursuit of you. You, you know, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, God showed his great love for us in sending Christ to die for us. This is a rescue mission from heaven. This is the greatest love story ever told. That God creates man. He loves man. He's, he's in relationship with man in the garden. But man decides to rebel against God and to go their own way. And, and, and that relationship that in your being, in the core of who you are, you actually crave, it's a relationship with God, was broken. Because we are in rebellion against God. The Bible says, what does light have to do with darkness? And we went dark. We pushed ourselves out of the garden. But you know that in that moment, it's even hinted at when, when Scripture tells us in, in Genesis that that the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would crush the enemy's head. The, the word of God is prophesying of a place, a time, a moment where God would bring about redemption. You see what happened in that moment when we removed ourselves from that relationship with God that we're craving inside. God was so in love with you that he began a pursuit of you right there in the book of Genesis. He put into plan the plan of redemption, which included... Jesus coming to this planet and taking upon himself human flesh. John says that, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God and in verse 16, and the word became flesh incarnate, the word of God. God wrapped himself in flesh and walked amongst us. Why? Because God knew that the only way humanity could ever be brought back into the relationship with him that they've been created to have and longing to have is if the price was paid and Jesus said, I'll pay the price. He pursued you. He pursued you. In his great love, he pursued you. 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that for anybody who has ever doubted God's love, I just say to you, look at Christmas. Look to Christmas. Because when you look to Christmas, what you find is that in that moment, God is declaring and shouting to you through Mary and all those around that Christmas story that he was in pursuit of you, of you. We know that Jesus lived, born at Christmas with Good Friday in view. He was born to die, to give his life. With Easter around the corner where he would rise again, ascend to heaven. And as he ascends to heaven, he sends his spirit to do what? To pursue after humanity. To pursue after you. Right now in this moment, what is God doing? He's pursuing you. He's pursuing more of you. Spirit of God, right now in this moment, this is not just a, it's not just an ordinary moment. Every moment is an extraordinary moment. It's, it's a moment infused with the fact that God, by His Spirit, right now is, is pressing in to, to take hold of, of your life and to bless your life and lead your life and, and guide your life and forgive you and cleanse you and, and heal you. God has wanted to restore you and God has wanted to work in you and through you and, and do with you more than you could ever imagine. God, right now, by His Spirit, is just, He's pressing in. He's pressing in. He's pursuing after you because he loves you. Oh, I know you've doubted. I know you've looked at your own circumstances, situations. You have allowed the world to tell you who you are instead of listening to who God says you are. And friends, today I'm telling you enough's enough. Live in light of who God says you are. You see, it might have been easy to overlook Mary from the world's perspective. Matter of fact, everyone did kind of overlook Mary. But God chose her. And imagine if you instead of basing your worth on what you think others think of you, basing your worth on what the world thinks of you, or even at times basing your worth on what you think of you. Come on, we all live in those cycles. If instead of being trapped in that cycle, what if instead you based your worth on what God thinks of you? And you know what God thinks of you? God thinks you're worth it. You're worth it. God thinks you're worthy. God, God, God thinks that, that he wants to, although you and yourself are not worthy, God thinks to himself, I, I love you so much. I want to come and cleanse you and forgive you. I want to put on you my righteousness. God says to you, listen, you're a child of the king. I think that if we could learn to live that way, come on, you're going you're gonna to walk a little taller. I think you're going to dream a little bigger. I think you're going to live a little freer because now instead of you in selling yourself short, so many of you are doing this. Look at me, please. You're selling yourself short. Why? Because you believe the lie of the enemy. You believe the lie of your own insecurities. You believe the lie that, that the world keeps whispering to you that you don't matter and you're not much and you've messed up and, you, and you're never, never going to move on from this and, and you're just that and that's all you're ever going to be and you're listening to the world. But friends, would you just stop long enough to examine what God says to you, what he shouts to you through Christmas? Is that God says, I love you and I value you. I think about you. I, I mean, I want to redeem you and restore you and heal you. I just, I want to, I want you to know you're a child of the King. I made you and I love you unconditionally. Unconditionally. Oh, I long to be a part of a church with a people 
who allow God to lift, come on, just like lift your head and catch eyes with God to understand whose you are. It's not just who I am. Do you know whose I am? Child of the King, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. In Jesus' name, Christmas says to anyone who's ever felt insignificant that God sees you, he loves you, he came after you, and he's not gonna stop in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Would you stand with me to your feet, church? Come on, amen. Come on, amen, church. We serve a great God who loves us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you for scripture. God, we thank you that you, you remind us over and over again how much you love us. And, and God, I just pray today for any of those who've ever doubted, God, your love, they've ever wondered if they matter, God, I just pray you'd help us remember Christmas. Help us remember how Mary, who the, the, the world would overlook, but God, you would choose. And it doesn't just end Mary. God, you, you today, the world might overlook us, but God, you choose us. We see it all over scripture, over and over again, God, over and over again, over and over again. But God, you're calling us to yourself. You're in pursuit of us. So God, thank you that we get to live. Live lives that although we might not be worthy, although we might be going astray and we, God, might mess things up, God, that although we might be unfaithful, God, you are forever faithful. That you, you don't give up on us, God. You're in, you're in love and in constant pursuit of your people. And so God, today, I just want to pray for anyone in here that God just finds themselves running from you today. I, I pray for anyone in here right now that finds themselves trying to find their value and their worth in the things of this world, trying to, trying to God, find their value in the, in the voice of others, God, what others are saying and thinking. God, would today be the day right, where enough's enough? And they finally choose to stand on who they really are, a child of the King, a son, a daughter of the Most High. And God, we walk in that confidence. And God, we want to live lives that, that are bold and audacious and, 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 and daring, Lord God, lives that, are, that run knowing who we are. Right now, I just want to speak to any of you who have found yourself in this trap. Come on, we all do from time to time. This trap of trying to get your value and your worth from things other than God. Now, some of you come in here today just feel so beat up because of what maybe a spouse has said about you, maybe your own kids, maybe your parents, maybe, maybe you just hear rumblings at work or whatever it is. You just come in here with your head it's kind of down today because you just you've been believing those lies and come on I'm going to ask you today that you just right now rest in the fact that you matter to God and that's all that matters you matter to God and that's all that matters I think there's some of you today who've never actually allowed yourself to stand on that firm foundation. You've never allowed yourself to stand on the truth that you matter to God. 
So you're out there running around trying to find your value in other things. And, and God today, I think, is calling some of you home. He's calling you, he's calling you, he's calling you to himself today. And there, there are those of you who've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I want to ask that today you would allow yourself to, you would do that. You'd make the decision to say yes to him. You'd walk out of here standing on the firm foundation, which is Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And the wages of that sin is death. So when we're out trying to find our value in things other than God, the Bible says that that's actually rebellion, that's sin. And the penalty of that is always going to be the same thing. In other words, it always leads to the same thing, destruction, destruction, death and destruction, because those things will never give us life. They'll never give you what you desire. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. It's life here and now and life that will last for all eternity. And there are some of you who need to experience that life. Friend, would you come home today? Would you say yes to Jesus today? I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now in this moment. Come on, I'm just going to lead you in a word of prayer. You're going to have a conversation with God. So if this is you, if you need your sin forgiven, you want to know that you're anchored in heaven, and you want to stand upon who you are in Christ, come on, would you have this conversation with God? Come on, just tell me, say, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know you've got more for me. And so today, I choose to surrender my life to you. I'm done trying to find my value in the things of this world. I choose instead to stand upon what you say about me. I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf, giving your life in my place so I can be forgiven. God, would you forgive me today? Wash me and cleanse me. And I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me into life. Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? Listen, there's some of you that just prayed that prayer with me, and I would love to be able to celebrate with all the angels in heaven that are celebrating right now. The Bible says that there's a party that goes on in heaven. If that's you, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just, as we're in this moment of prayer, I'm going to ask that on the count of three, you would just throw your hand up. You look at me. I just want to know that you made that decision. I want to celebrate with you. I think it's important to let somebody know. Well, would you let me know? On three. One, Jesus loves you more than you could ever think or imagine. Two, he gave his life so that you can live. Come on, three right now. If you lift your hand up in this place, you made that decision to follow Christ. God bless you. Come on. Anyone else in this place? God bless you in the back. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. Church, can we celebrate with each and every one that made that decision today? Come on. Well, we are believing that that message spoke to you right where you're at. And if you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision to accept Christ into your life, we want to know about it. You can text CITIZENS to 55498 to let us know you made that decision. And we would love to celebrate with you and connect you to more resource to help you step into all that God has for your life. And so you can text CITIZENS to 55498. And if you would like to contribute to the mission that God has put us on here at Citizens, you can support the work by texting CITIZENS55498 and you will be prompted with a giving link. 
And if you have not yet subscribed on YouTube, then you can click that subscribe button and stay up to date with all of the content we produce throughout the week. We love you, we're praying for you, and we can't wait to see you next time here at Citizens Online.